A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. I love the changing seasons. I live in Minnesota where the changing seasons are part of the fabric of our lives. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, I have the changing seasons too. It's not like just Minnesota that has changing seasons, which I believe, and that's great, but I don't live there, so I have to talk about the changing seasons in Minnesota. They help us mark the passage of time. These changing seasons help us remember special events. Like, when did that happen? I think it was spring because the lilacs are blooming at the neighbors, or maybe it was winter because the snowblower was in our garage instead of the lawnmower or whatever. Our springs, they're beautiful. The buds come out, birds come back, and there's blooms everywhere. The smell is heavenly, and it sneaks in. It always surprises me. One day, I might just be walking outside, leave my house, and I stop in my tracks, and I look up, and I look around, and I start wondering, is anybody else noticing that? It smells like spring, and you, you get so excited about it. You mention it to the banker and the grocery store people. And if you're pumping gas, the person next to you that you're just exchanging pleasantries with or whatever, and everybody agrees. Yeah, spring's here. Yeah, I smell it in the air. I noticed it this morning. And our summers, they're glorious. Our summers are when, for some people, cabin life commences we have over 10,000 lakes on which we enjoy boating and swimming and paddleboarding and fishing and floating and whatever. The boats in the Mississippi River make their way up and down. The campgrounds in northern Minnesota are like bursting at the seams. There's kayakers enjoying their lazy days. There's people tubing and skiing. And in the Twin Cities, the hotel have these guest rooms with beautiful views, and, and there's strings of lights that go up for patio dining everywhere. And then comes fall. Fall is my favorite. The trees that had all been beautiful shades of green all spring and summer suddenly come alive with color. It's almost like students running up to their room after school, and they take off their school uniform, and they put on what they really wanted to wear all day. <laughs> they might emerge with their favorite t-shirt or jersey or sweatshirt with the saying or sparkles or whatever. And the trees that were once green do the same. They start coming forth in shades of yellow and red and gold and orange. And there's one that has this deep leather brown and the stems almost look like stitching. The color report is included in the evening news during the local weather. Here's where the color's peaking, and they show the state, and, and people come from all around to drink in the colors and this crisp air and enjoy an apple everything. Apple pie, apple crisp, apple, you know, cider, donuts, whatever, fritter, whatever. If you can throw an apple in it, we have that all fall. Then one day, the cashiers and the coffee drive through attendants and the doctor and building supervisor, or whoever stands long enough for a two-minute conversation with you will say it. Smells like snow, doesn't it? And it does. And the skies look a little gray, and the air has a bit of a bite to it. 
and then the flakes start to float. And you see them and you look up and you see the magic of this first snow. I know it's not magic, but it looks like this magical first snow. It's almost like you're in a snow globe minus being <laughs> trapped. Or, or I can't think of a great example, but the snow just starts lightly floating down and it gives me chills. And not just because it's cold, just because it's gorgeous. It's just beautiful. And you know, pretty soon there's going to be this soft, fluffy white blanket covering the earth that will stay there now for months and months and months <laughs> until eventually the snow melts and goes deep into the earth. And from this earth comes that fresh smell of spring again. Also, with the changing of seasons, our closets change. Sweaters and sweatshirts and jeans take over. Perhaps wear shorts and t-shirts and flowy dresses and rompers once lived. Okay, I my closet, I have no rompers in my closet, just for the record. Or perhaps boots of all colors and, and styles, some waterproof, some deep snow worthy, others just plain stylish, make way for flip-flops and, and sandals. And the cycle continues and continues. And with this changing of seasons and with this changing of clothes can come questions when it comes to our formal wear for formal events. My cousins in warmer climates say California or Texas or maybe even Seattle, may not relate to this dilemma, but perhaps you do. I don't want to count you out here, but real dilemma it is. One winter, I was getting ready for a wedding. My husband and I had been entertaining friends in the morning and were busy cleaning up afterward when I noticed it was getting a little bit close to the time we were going to have to leave. This wedding was an evening wedding downtown Minneapolis, and I ran upstairs to put on my winter wedding in Minnesota best, which was a pair of black leggings and this long, black, fluffy, soft sweater turtleneck that ended just above my knees. I finished my ensemble with a pair of my favorite boots. They were brown, like this deep, deep kind of golden brown pair that went just above my knee. I stood in front of the mirror, started brushing my hair. I look over at my husband, who was in a stupor staring at his closet as though for the very first time. I looked over and I said kind of impatiently, we have to leave in like 12 minutes. What's your deal? He replied, I never know what to wear when it's a black tie event. I mean, I know I need to don't, don't need to go tuxedo, but is it just a plain black tie or whatever? I froze. What? What do you mean black tie? I was asking him. He's like, yeah, black tie. And black tie, usually the men wear a tuxedo and the women are super, super fancy. And I don't know if my tie should be just plain black or should I have a slight pattern? I thought I am completely choosing to ignore your pattern problem because I have a much larger problem of my own. I was like, I know what black tie means. I'm just saying like, what is this thing black tie? How do you know this? like, I think the invitation, it said black tie. I'm like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me right now? Did? I didn't know that. So then I started looking for the invitation and I wasted precious minutes, precious, never could find it. So then I went to my closet and started staring into it like for the first time where my husband fell into a silent stupor trying to figure out his tie pattern. I started speed talking. Oh my gosh, what do I wear? (gasps) Should I wear the dress I wore for Tim and Tamara's wedding? 
Oh, I can't. That was summer and it was outdoors and it's not even the same. What about the dress from Danny and Anna's wedding? Where is that? Would it even still fit me? Where is it? I ran to another closet. I found it and I took it out and I'm like, eh, nope, this looks just as fancy as it did when I wore it the first time. And I mean, it wasn't like sequined or anything, but it definitely looked like I would walk in feeling like I was going to be mistaken for the mother of the groom or the bride or something. Not not the real bride, the mother of the groom or the mother of the bride or something. Boy, is that the bride? Wow, she seems so old. But either way, that dress was not right either. I looked at my watch and now I had literally four minutes. And I remember because I said, oh my gosh, I have four minutes before we absolutely have to leave. And we were already cutting it so close. I looked over at my husband and he was already now dressed in his black suit, white shirt and black tie. I actually kind of rolled my eyes and was irritated at how easy that was. I looked at my full-length mirror and recognized that the fairy godmother had never arrived, and I still looked just like I did before. So I grabbed her gift and said, well, the only thing worse than wearing this to the wedding would be wearing it while walking in late, so we better go. We ran downstairs, literally. We ran to our car and sped along the snowy streets to our downtown venue. We parked our car in the parking ramp and ran through it to the elevator. It was super fast since I didn't have heels on, which was one good thing. We ran through the lobby of the IDS building and found the second bank of elevators that we needed to get us to the proper floor. I was running. I'm checking my watch. My husband was carrying the gift by now. And so I'm running, checking my watch. I'm checking the elevator doors. And I noticed one was just beginning to close. So I yell out really loud, please hold the door. And we squeezed in just in time. I was panting and sweating. And I glanced over at the six people who were sharing the elevator with us. And the women were shimmering. There was so much glitter. There were so many sequins. They were all over their dresses. They were reflecting off the mirrors on the ceiling and in the chrome as the door closed. I looked at the man and they all looked just like my husband. I looked at my husband and whispered, they glitter. He's like, don't worry about it. I was hoping they weren't going to push our floor number. I looked over. They had. We all got off on the 50-something-ish floor. They exited first. And as I finally made my way out, I looked and saw someone who looked just like me. Ah, black pants, black sweater. But then I noticed, oh, they had something I did not. They had a tray. Well, I had a gift in my hand now. They had a tray with hors d'oeuvres. I debated about taking one and saying, I'm the new person. Can you train me in really quick? I looked at my husband again and I said, I match the servers. He was like, honey, don't worry about it. You look comfortable. (laughs) I paused. Yeah, think. You know why? Because I am comfortable. I have yoga pants and a sweater on. I could lead a workout between the wedding and reception and be totally fine. I could have run these 50 flights of stairs to this wedding and have been fine. I could take a nap because I am so comfortable, super comfortable. Well, on the outside anyway. Internally, I was kind of wishing I'd read the invitation better. Now, just a second. If you don't know my husband, you might think he had made an insensitive comment, but it wasn't. He's heard me say for years, oh, my favorite clothes are the ones I find so comfortable. I try on something and say, oh, this is so comfortable. I love it. I'm definitely going to get it, which is usually true. But now, whatever, there's nothing I could do about it. So I walk in with my husband. We take a seat. I start glancing around. I notice one other woman wearing a dress that, if you ask me, it was not nearly fancy enough. Did not she even read her invitation? (laughs) Seriously. After the wedding, before the reception, I went into the bathroom to fix my hair. 
maybe what, add a jewel, make a toilet paper flower or something. I overhear a few women talking at the sinks in the mirror. One of them says, don't you just love having an opportunity to wear your mother of the groom dress again? I mean, it was my favorite dress and here you only wear it for a few hours. It seems like such a waste. And before the other woman responded, I started imagining, yeah, I probably would have loved that too. And while I was still imagining it, the other woman does speak up and she goes, yeah, but honestly, I'd kind of forgotten how uncomfortable mine was. I laughed out loud. Oh, then I washed my hands faster and ran out of the door. It was red time for me to maybe meet my coworkers and grab something to eat. Now I check my invitations more carefully before I lose them. And I'm careful to clothe myself properly. Are you hearing the lesson coming? Are you tipped off to the verse I'm about to read? I want to encourage us all to clothe ourselves properly. Colossians 3.12 says it. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We are God's people. We are chosen. We are holy. We are dearly loved. We are chosen. He chose to save us from our sin. God chose to save us from ourselves. He chose to send his son, Jesus, to come and pay the price and the penalty so that we could enjoy salvation. God chose us to reveal himself to us. God chose us to live in relationship with us. This is a huge blessing. This is something we cannot even fathom. We are chosen. We are also holy. What does that mean? Pious and self-righteous? Absolutely not. All churchy and unable to hold a conversation? No, holy means set apart. We're set apart for God to use us. Our lives have been created by him. And as we've been saved, our life direction is set by him. He picked our gifts and our talents, and he places us in spots where we can use them best for his glory. It's his joy and his job to place us in in communities and families and in jobs and neighborhoods, wherever. He places us where we can live out our lives the way he has called and crafted for us to do so. We are also not just chosen, not just holy. We are also dearly loved, not just sort of loved, not loved if. If you perform, if you do this, if you do that, if you don't do this, if you don't do that. No, we are loved. We are not loved more or less than anyone else. We are just loved, dearly loved. We are looked at and adored and loved deeply by the God who created us. So therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with, with what? Compassion. Compassion. It might make us feel uncomfortable to be compassionate. Because compassion is, by definition, a deep awareness of the suffering of another, accompanied by the wish to relieve it. Finding out the suffering of another is uncomfortable. But with compassion, it comes with this desire to relieve it. Compassion makes us feel and do, which is why the next thing we put on is what? Kindness. If our compassion is paired with kindness, we would reach out then to these downtrodden, misunderstood disenfranchised, overlooked, the outcast, the person in need. We will be concerned about meeting the needs of others and less concerned about meeting our own. Do you remember the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi? We'd be looking to understand more than be understood. His prayer began, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. If there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there's discord, union. 
where there's doubt, faith, where there's despair, hope, where there's darkness, light, and where there's sadness, joy, and it goes on. After kindness, we are to clothe ourselves with humility. Come on now, is that even in style anymore? It has to be. It has to be. We have to get to a place where we look to the interests of others before we look to our own. We have to see ourselves as God does, dearly loved, yes. But we are loved, dearly loved, lavished with love so that we can extend love toward others. We have appreciated what it means to be forgiven by God so that we can forgive other people. We have purpose in our life so that we can live a life that glorifies God and not live a life just for ourselves. So we clothe ourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, and with gentleness. What is that? The dictionary says this. It's the quality of being kind, tender, mild-mannered, softness of action or effect, lightness. Does this not sound exactly how you would like to be treated? Then that's exactly how we need to treat others with gentleness. And Paul goes on and says, clothe yourselves as well with patience. Are you waiting for anything? A new job, an answer to prayer, a relationship, a baby, a healing, physical or emotional direction? Are you waiting for God to work in a certain situation in your life or in your heart or in the life and heart of someone you love? Be patient. Know that God is at work. Whatever you're waiting for, lay that care at God's feet and rest in your arms knowing he is there doing a great work among us and around us. He is. If you don't have clear direction, keep waiting. Don't run ahead of him. Rest in him. He will bless you with peace as you wait. He will bless you with comfort. As a dearly loved child, he wants you to know that he is a good father who will provide the right thing at the right time because he is perfect in all his ways. And as you rest in him, extend patience toward those around you as well. God is at work in their lives too. He is. Pray and wait and rest and pray. (laughs) As you clothe yourselves in this way, remember, this is not your wardrobe. It's something you picked out. It's something you could make. It's God's. It's God's given to us by him and for him through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit because of the work of Jesus. It will fit us and it will become more and more comfortable the more we wear it. Like a favorite pair of jeans or black yoga pants and a black sweater.